Welcome to It's All Consciousness, the show about how our thoughts, passions, and intentions manifest our reality and can change it too. I'm Miriam Knight, here today with MJ Schwader, and our guest is Sandra Marinella. Sandra is an award-winning writing teacher and the author of The Story You Need to Tell. She has taught thousands of students and fellow educators and presented hundreds of workshops to veterans, teachers, writers, and cancer patients about the power of our personal stories and writing to heal, grow, and transform our lives. Sandra founded the Story You Need to Tell project, which provides workshops on the power of transformational storytelling and personal writing to increase well-being. Profits from her book support cancer research and provide educational scholarships to veterans and writers. Sandra, you're doing such important work. We are thrilled to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Miriam. What a lovely introduction. I appreciate it. Tell us what inspired you to go into the area of writing for healing. I think, um, like most writers, um, I have a passion for words. I always had a passion for words and stories. That led me to teaching both high school and then college. And certainly um, along that path, um, I always wanted um, to write books. I was writing articles for teachers and educators and students but I really wanted to write the book and the right book never seemed, well, I, okay, I admit, I have a few novels that are hidden in drawers, <laughs> but I wanted, there, I felt like there was something I was supposed to write. And in 2012, I learned I had uh, breast cancer. And that, of course, was quite a shocking diagnosis. I think it is for most people who experience it. And I suddenly felt like, okay, I'm going to do what I've always done when I've had a rough time, I'm going to write my way through it. And after my second surgery, after my double mastectomy, I suddenly had this intuition that, oh, of course you're going to write your way through it. And that's the book that you are supposed to share with others. You are supposed to help others see a process, a path, a way that they can use writing for healing because you have watched it heal others including you, your entire life. So that, that's really what inspired me, I think, to write the story you need to tell. That's beautiful. MJ, you're very much in this field. Um, what inspired you to read Sandra's book? Because I know you were so impressed by it. Well, you know, it's interesting because I had kind of gotten away from reading any books about writing. I've been a writing coach for almost 20 years. And, um, you know, I thought I'd read all the writing books out there that needed to be read. <laughs> so, um, so um, and probably more than that. But um, so when I got it, it was, uh, and I got it in the mail and from your publisher and uh, or, uh, it was just, the, the title grabbed me initially because what I've found in my experience with the writing coaching is the same thing. And as I was reading through your book, it was so great to have that validation that what I had been working with for years, even though I hadn't really, you know, it kind of just came out of, of, of the thin air for me <laughs> was that it was actually working and, and validated by research. And, and particularly what really drew me into the book was the story you were telling. 
So your narration was really drawing me through the book. So that was, that was really quite um, fun because I ended up really like every morning looking forward to reading it and doing some of the exercises. So it was very, very um, timely and I, and I really enjoyed it. I had a couple questions for you. So um, is there, you know, cause one of the books, one of the um, characters in the book, cause you have several characters that kind of are throughout the book. Um, but the one that really was compelling to me was, uh, I think her name was Barbara. Oh yes. Oh yes. Barbara Lee. Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about what, who, who your favorite character was or who you enjoyed working with most in the process that you had with them. I, I would have to say that there, there just isn't a favorite. So many of the people that I interviewed, I interviewed over a hundred people. This became quite um, a passion, finding these stories and trying to share, as you learn through your own teaching, MJ, that, that this writing really does change us, mm-hmm. can help us, can heal us, and transform us. So there were many stories that I, that I just fell in love with and people that I fell in love with. And actually, um, Barbara became, has become a very dear friend of mine. And I would love um, to talk a little bit about finding her, how I found her story. Um, is that okay? Can I sure. talk? Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Her, her story, I, I think, is important, and I'm glad that you, that you picked it out because um, I, I love to think the most important thing about the book is the idea that our stories can transform us, particularly if we choose to write them. Um, we can reflect, we can learn, we can grow from our story. And Barbara... Um, when I started this whole process, initially when I learned in 2012 that I had cancer, I made a decision that I was going to take my work to cancer patients and work with them and help them get through cancer as I had with the writing. And my husband um, is, is a, um, a disabled veteran. So he asked me, he said, look, I know this is important for anyone with trouble, um, and we all, from time to time, he said, face these things. But he said, given my history, it would really be meaningful to me if you would make a place in your life to work with veterans. And so I applied to the hospital downtown, the VA center, and it took several months for me to be cleared, but I was cleared to work with the post-traumatic stress disorder patients. And I began working um, alongside of uh, um, a physician's assistant and my in my own writing abilities, we went in each week with a group of about ten to twenty um, veterans who really were suffering from PTSD, and we shared our writing and we began to move forward. So many stories, so many stories came out of this. And Barbara's was um, probably the most powerful one because she, from the very beginning of my work with her was withholding pieces of her story. You could tell that she was angry, frustrated, definitely a veteran, still experiencing PTSD. Eventually, she began to write these poems, to trust us, and begin to write these poems that were talking about her abuse, that were talking about sexual abuse. And it was clear that she she wrote a poem called Wasted Potential, talking about how she felt like a rotten avocado, And another one talking about uh, emotional autopsy. She describes a woman who's been raped, abused, discarded in an autopsy room and left for dead. 
And as she began to share these in the group, we began gently to say, Barbara, is this your story? And slowly but surely through the months, it became clear to us that Barbara had been raped. And for years, she had held this horrible, horrible story with inside. And it began to come out. It clearly began to come out. And when I was meeting with her, doing writing private sessions with her, she began to talk a lot about it. And she began to change. Uh, I, I always liked that our group leader said, you know, we had to fire her from PTSD school because she transformed. Her writing changed her. She was able to release this very horrible story. And she began writing some very beautiful poetry. I, I have some of it in the book. Uh, one, the one I remember is The Measure of a Woman, talking about how she now could see her life differently and she could move forward. And I just thought, wow, this is a transformation story. So it, it became a very special story for me. Mm-hmm. And so what is it that you, you know, why do you believe that writing has such a great impact on the healing process? What is it that you see about the written word that does that? Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I think that one, of course, can tell stories. I mean, that's why we see counselors. Um, and you can share stories with friends, and that also is a healing strategy for sure. But I think the value of the writing, as I've studied it and looked at the research in depth, is that oftentimes our stories are broken, and they're stuck in our heads. They're stuck on the right side of our brain, and they're repeating. Um, we just have to live this horrible story as Barbara was reliving her rape inside over and over. But by writing it out, by by giving voice to her story in poems, Barbara was able to take it and remove that story, or not remove it, but move it from the right side where it was emotion-based over to the left side of her brain where she could begin to be logical with it and could begin to frame it in a new way and understand it and work with it. And I think once we do that, our minds are so amazing. Neuroscience is teaching us how powerful our minds are. And I know, I know you're well aware of this as a writing instructor. But as we move things over to the left side, then we have control over them. And they aren't running wild in us. Um, we, we can move forward with our lives. So I, I think that's the difference that writing can make. True. And, and I, it's also interesting because I've said it for years and I don't know if there's any research. I can't remember if you had it in your book about this, but how it's almost like there's a different chemical released when you write it versus talk it, you know, yes. orally. Oh, I do think it produces serotonin. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I can't rec- I'm trying to think if I can think of any pieces of research, but I know that there's so much data on the health benefits. Um, James Pennybaker um, kick-started that research back in the 80s, and it has been so profound. It has expanded to so many universities and so many studies. Um, there's just solid evidence that clearly um, we experience um, physical, psychological, social, and even spiritual benefits when we are doing this kind of writing. So I'm, I'm sure in one of those studies I could find the release. <laughs> exactly. I've always wanted that evidence because I've said it for many years, but it's, you know, I've never really gone to look for that research. But one of the things too is, um, like I've been writing my own memoir and one of the things that I I have seen in my own process, there's been much healing, but the biggest piece of it was really the rewriting 
you know, getting it all out, direct writing, stream of consciousness is really important because you're really kind of dumping all that from your brain. But where I really had the transformation is when I went back in and said, hmm, if I'm reading these stories and as, you know, a reader, objective reader, I really don't like that character that I was had, had uh, portrayed myself as being because it was always from the victim viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I went back in and rewrote everything to change that perspective to what was the gift I got out of the situation versus who did this to me. Mm-hmm. That was amazingly transformative because then I saw I was doing it in my life. And so I, like that. I, oh, I like that. it so much. I think that really um, I found uh, when I was writing my book, ironically, I was avoiding <laughs> writing my story. I didn't want to put my cancer story in. I thought, well, that, my story's not that big of a deal. And I really suppressed it. And it was my writing groups that said, oh, my gosh, you're writing a book on the story you need to tell. And your story is not out there. It's your hero journey. And you need to put it in the book. And as you were talking, MJ, I'm thinking, wow. And, and you, too, are finding your hero. You're finding your better story. You're moving, you're rewriting your story as you go. I love it. Yep. And then, you know, I'm also a shamanic practitioner and we talk about how when you heal in one timeline, you heal all lifetimes. The same with the writing. It's, It's when you heal one part of your story, you can start to transform the other parts of your story based on that learning. So it's a continually growing process. So it's pretty, pretty fascinating. So what, you know, one of the things that comes up a lot for me when I'm talking to people about writing in general and, and specifically about journal writing is, you know, there's, there are a lot of people that don't write at all. So what do you say to someone who doesn't like to write, but definitely would benefit from this type of, of process? Oh, well, I, I usually um, start by telling them about Goldie Goldston who went off to war with a, a little green journal that his wife stuck in his backpack. And he told her as he went out the door, I'm not a writer. Don't plan on anything happening with this. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he went to war, um, he found um, he was dealing with such traumatic experiences on a daily basis in firefights, uh, including the death of his closest friend, Nick Ham. Uh, he he needed that journal and he pulled it out and he didn't always write. He often drew pictures. He often made lists and writing can be that simple. I I always ask my students, please don't go back to the English teacher that you hated. (laughs) Think of that as writing. Right. (laughs) You know, you need to, to let writing be what you define it as. I mean, if you choose to draw pictures, draw pictures. If you choose to write poems, write poems. If you won't write, then tell your stories. And when my father was dying, he said, he said to me, um, I have some stories I, I would still like to leave you. And he said, would you write them for me? And you can always get a friend or a tape recorder to do it, you know, to help you with the process. And so I did tape his stories and write his stories for a few days. And then I came over shortly before his death. And he was, a few days before his death, he was sitting there writing his own stories. And he was into it. So I always like to think we can find a way, find a way to share our stories. Right. Yeah, and you know, the interesting part about journaling, um, 
like there's times when I will be journaling every day, three times a day, you know, there's different times in my life. And then I'll go for months without, sometimes even years without journaling. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those types of things that, you know, it's, I think when we're in a worse situation, it is actually a, a tool to right. turn to in, in ways. But the other part of that is um, what I have my students, my clients do is go back and read through their journals from 30 years ago for the patterns that they see in their lives, which is another thing that, you know, there's, there's a story that we tell ourselves over and over again that, that also needs to be changed. And that's been interesting in my writing coaching too, is a lot of times they don't even realize they're telling this story over and over again. Right, right, that they've become stuck on a certain story and repeating it. And, and that's interesting you would say that because as I started this book, one of the things I did uh, was the question that came to me was, okay, is this writing as powerful other people as it, as it has been for me? And I went back and began by reading, I had 27 journals at the time. And like you, I'm not an everyday writer. And I would like to note that there's quite a bit of research that says that's probably really good. <laughs> it's okay to, to just go to the journal when you need the journal, to express story when you need it. Um, but I learned, just like you, as I went back through my journals, that there were certain patterns, and that was a piece of me. You said there was a part of your story as you're writing your memoir that you didn't like. And that was definitely what I saw in my own journals. I realized from time to time I would get stuck on things and I would dwell on them. And it, it really helped me learn how to change that pattern in myself, how to stop from being so stuck on a bad story, how to rewrite it more consciously with a conscious awareness and, and make conscious changes in what I was allowing myself to think. Absolutely. And I think, you know, your discussion of the right brain, left brain thing is interesting because, you know, the stream of consciousness, direct writing is from the right brain. Mm -hmm. so it's, it's interesting to hear that. Okay. <clears throat> that's where we get stuck. Yes. Oh, yes. You yes. know, that, that's um, right. kind of almost counterintuitive because that, that's also where the creation comes from. Right. So we're creating the stuckness as well as the, you know, right. having to... Um, to, or, or that's where the inspiration comes from. So, well, um, are there times when people shouldn't write you? You know, we were talking about sometimes you, you need to take a break. What is it? When is it um, appropriate for people to step back from writing? I, I'm very careful because I work with a lot of trauma patients now. Um, and I'm very careful because I don't want to trigger um, bad experiences or bring forth things that they're not really prepared to deal with when we're writing. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that's often misunderstood, there were, there were a lot of therapy strategies that said, when you have a problem, write, write, write. And now I think the research is tending to say, oh no, when you first encounter a difficulty, a trauma, you probably need time to absorb it and to adjust and to experience what's there, the emotions that are there before you try to, to um, you know, put into words what's happening to you. And I think many writers um, have really done a great job of demonstrating this. And I think in the book I talk about Ellie Weissel, and he did write about his concentration camp experiences 
for over 10, I think there were 10 years before he started writing about those experiences. And he said he simply could not do this, that it took time to heal before, uh, emotionally heal, before he could actually begin to put the experiences into words. And then when he did, of course, um, the transformation is amazing. I mean, we, we see in his body of work so many books, but I guess the most famous is probably Night. It just so powerfully shares uh, his interpretation of, of that experience. Mm-hmm. Well, that raises an interesting question because on the one hand, you're using writing to heal. And on the other hand, you're saying that the trauma can't be fresh and raw. Um, yes. You need, so is there like a, this golden mean between the ex, these points? I think, I think it's really, um, I think a writer knows. I think when you come to a page and you say, I'm ready to write now, you will, you know, I always tell writers in my group, you will know if you start to write about something and it's going to make you flip out, you are not ready. There's what James Pennybaker calls the flip out rule. Um, when you come to the page, if you can't handle it, then you need to leave it. And it won't be easy when you do finally write it. I think when you come to the page and you are going to encounter that broken story, um, it, it will be painful and there may be tears. And I know MJ's had this experience frequently in writing groups. We have people crying, mm-hmm. experiencing um, emotion, emotional difficulty because of what their experience, what they have experienced. But you just don't want to race somebody into it. I, I know that there's a need, and a lot of research says this now, there's a need for some silence and quiet time and adjustment. The brain has to wrap itself around a new identity. For example, if you've lost a loved one, you know, your your whole life is changing and that identity is changing. And so give your time, give your emotions time to cope with that. And then gently, I always say, I simmer tea and gently move into the words. That's good. That's what it is. Can, can you say that again? I didn't catch that phrase. Oh, yes. I said, I always say that I like to simmer tea and then gently move oh. into my words. I, I like to be drinking, sipping a little bit of tea and making sure I'm ready and then moving forward um, with my pen to find my words. Very British. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and w- 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 the question that came up during that process, and, it, and one of the things that I've discovered in that um, kind of waiting for the right moment is, of course, that people have uh, their own individual tools that they use, they have their own individual timing. You know, it could be that some people will dive right into the writing as, as a means of really um, healing initially from it. Um, some may wait, like you said, 10 years. But uh, there's a <clears throat> everybody's going to be an individual on that piece of it. But one of the things that comes up frequently for me and the client in working with clients is, um, you know, the fear of being vulnerable to the point of accessing those emotions. You know that going back into it is going to be as hard as the first trauma, mm-hmm. the first initial. So how do you approach that with people? I mean, is there any advice you can give for that? Um, uh, no, I think I think you just move gently forward. You have to accept that there is, that if you don't go deep, you are not going to make change. That there will be pain. I mean, when you go back, um, 
There, there was a woman I was working with last week at Mayo Clinic, and she had not um, addressed. She said, I thought she thought she was ready. She said, I had not addressed the challenge of the fact that when I was four or five years old, I left my country. Uh, I can't remember if it was Lebanon or Syria. And she said, I was a refugee, and they took me away from my brother, and I was very close to my brother, and I was just traumatized by this as a child, and I've never really written about this she started writing about it and she started crying and she stopped and said, am I not ready? And I, I said, only you can answer that. And she said, is it going to be painful? And I said, it's going to be painful. <laughs> There's just no escaping the fact that it's going to be painful, but you have to be, I guess, the, the judge of rather you can move forward or not move forward. Counselors of course are helpful in that respect too. Right. Right. Definitely. And, you know, I have to say, most of the time, people that come to me, they're well past that initial trauma or loss. You know, when they get to the point of actually wanting to write a book and publish it, they are on that, more on that healing process. I did do a book a couple of years ago where it was a collaborative book where 18 people were writing a chapter, and we had just amazing transformation and um, growth from that. And they were in their initial stages of, of healing, but most of the time they come to me from, from a perspective of, okay, now I'm ready to tell my story. Right, and, and I would agree. I think usually when they reach out to us to take our workshops or read our books, they are past that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't have tremendous healing still by writing their, their story, but they're more prepared emotionally to do that in most cases that I've seen. Now, what's also fascinating to me is you talk about the direct writing experience. That's what's most amazing to me sometimes is what they write and they don't even know they're writing. Right. (laughs) You know, you read it back to them and they say, well, that's beautiful. Who wrote that? It was, you know, their own writing. I love that when that happens. Um, So the, the, it's kind of like, and that, that's what's, fun about reading your book is you describe it in the, in the narration, but it's really hard to actually describe the effect as it's happening right. <laughs> in the, in the, in the true healing sense of things, right. the energetic sense of things. It's a process. There's tools, there's exercises, there's a technique and really you just have to do it. You do, you do have to do it. And I think um, many times people who say they're non-writers, once they try this, they realize they are writers. They're just not people who want to publish books or want to be graded for their writing. They just want to get their stories out and share their stories. I think memoir has become a huge, huge genre in our culture because people realize how important it is to find their stories and share their stories. And it's so much easier to share your story now with with the internet and, and uh, self-published books. Right. So, Sandra, uh, what is your website? My re- website is www.storyyoutell.com. And I understand that you have an initiative to provide scholarships. Tell us about that. I do. Uh, the, the money that I raise from the book is used... Um, to help, I do workshops at Mayo Clinic. I do workshops at Piper Cancer Center and down at the VA hospital. So I provide scholarships for people to take workshops or 
to buy books to help them with their writing or to take classes at the local universities. And presumably, if somebody wanted to invite you to do a workshop for them, they could connect with you through your website? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So that's storyyoutell.com. And the name of the book is The Story You Tell. No, the The story you need need to tell. No. (laughs) Critical difference. Critical difference. Yes. Thank you for the clarification. So that brings us to the end of our show. We've been speaking with wonderful author Sandra Marinella, the author of The Story You Need to Tell. Her website is storyutell.com. Thank you very much, Sandra. It's been a pleasure. Both you and and Jay, this was a delightful conversation. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. So we're MJ Schwader and I'm Miriam Knight. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Thank you.